Hi everyone, it's Gracie with Self Care with Gracie, and I'm back with another podcast. I've missed you all, and it wasn't a, a super conscious decision that I made that I was going to take a break from podcasting for. I think it's been about a month. It's more that life made that decision for me in the series of people getting sick in my family. There were some snow days here. We had a holiday or two and podcasting. It was always on my heart, but it just never made it fully onto my to-do list. So I'm very happy to be here and sharing with you all right now. And I'm very happy and excited for the guest I have to share with us today, Helen McLaughlin. Hello. Welcome, Helen. Hi, Gracie. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And I'm going to read your bio here, Helen, and talk a little bit about how I know you. Sure. Helen is a certified life coach who works with the whole spectrum of folks. This is all what you've written to, so I'm saying it in my voice, but it's really your voice. <laughs> and um, all of whom are hungry for personal insight. She is particularly interested in helping her clients understand and overcome whatever thinking has gotten in the way of their going after their long-held dreams, ambition, or vision. By working with them to develop their inner creator, Helen shows her clients how very capable they are of being, doing, and having whatever they want, and actually enjoying the process of getting there. I feel inspired just reading that. Awesome. <laughs> That's the idea. <laughs> and I, I've been wanting to have Helen on the show for a while, but she particularly came into my mind because of uh, someone that we both know, um, Kira, sent me this article. Actually, no, it was somebody else that sent the article, and then Kira read it and was like, you have to talk to Helen about this article. And the article is about millennials and burnout, and the, it's called How Millennials Became the Burnout Generation. It's a BuzzFeed News article by Anne Helen Peterson. I, re, I enjoyed the article, it was a lot about how the, the daily tasks, the minutia of just getting your bills paid and going to the doctor and all the other things that can add up, that that is what creates such a deep sense of burnout, particularly within a generation of people that are already kind of inheriting a hard economic situation, job situation. And I read it thinking like, yeah, that all feels really true. And I wonder how self-care and, and you really specialize a lot in terms of helping people with their creativity and really with their, their thinking and mindset, how that would affect it as well. So I invited you on the podcast to discuss this article and burnout, but also just to talk about you and your life. So thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm excited to have this, this conversation with you. Well, I'd, I'd like to start with you of how you became a coach and what got you interested in starting to look inside for this inner creator in yourself and how you figured out you wanted to help other people do the same. Yeah, yeah. So my my journey to coaching is definitely not linear. Um, and I don't know that it is really for any coach. I feel like that's probably what maybe what makes us good at coaching is that, you know, we've had to sort of take a winding path there. Um, I thought that I was going to be a fiction writer, you know, my whole life. That was like the thing I was pursuing singularly, um, went to graduate school, got my MFA in creative writing, and then um, promptly uh, had my own kind of burnout, <laughs> um, achievement burnout. I just, I kind of hit a wall where I felt like, you know, this is everything that I ever thought that I would, that I wanted to accomplish. I mean, of course, I want to make money writing fiction, but who does, who does that? Who actually find success with that. And, and so I, I sort of hit a wall after grad school, um, where I decided that I really just kind of wanted a job of any, of any sort, um, that would allow me the time and, and the bandwidth to work on creative writing. Um, 
So I, I proceeded to kind of cobble together an income with a lot of different odd jobs, and I found that I wasn't writing. Um, so my life started to kind of go in that direction of, of you know, I was, um, I was really trying to trying to sustain myself financially, um, and there was really no, there was really, I wouldn't say there was no creativity, but there was certainly not in the way that I had thought that there would be. Um, some of my jobs were really creative, but, um, but you know, when you're not pulling in a, a, a livable income, it gets, it's really, it can be really difficult to think in terms of creativity. Um, and so fast forward a, a handful of years and I found myself working actually at a really stable, uh, ad, uh, administrative job in an office at a university. And, um, it was so stable that I could imagine myself doing it for, forever and not that I wanted to imagine that but that's sort of the direction it was headed in and that really scared me uh, because again I, I was just starting to dip my toe back into creative writing um, and uh, but I could also see how quickly the weeks months and years were, were passing so I was I was four years at that job um, and probably by definitely by year three I was um, I, I started to like look around and, and, and kind of assess, is this, is this all there is for me, you know? Um, and I was pretty sure that there was much more, um, much more I could and should be doing creatively uh, and in helping people. So um, I ended up working with a coach, a career coach, um, and, and found my way into coaching, which surprised no one more than me. Um, and then I've come to see how coaching is actually a super creative act. It's a, a co-creative act, but it's, um, definitely creative, and I definitely get that same feeling of spark from from coaching that I did from writing. Um, and I find that I'm writing a lot more now that I have that I have this sort of service position in the world. If that makes sense, it definitely makes sense. I I feel like for me in coaching, writing is like my number one skill. But probably interpersonal like skills and relationship ability is number one and then after that it's writing and ability to convey that as well yeah well what do you find creative about the coaching relationship i'm curious oh man well i think so i probably come at it from a, an interesting perspective because of my background in creative writing i'm so interested in people's narratives you know and 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 how they construct them and how um, they repeat certain stories over and over and and that becomes kind of how they see themselves and um, so it's really interesting from a coaching perspective, I think, to, for me to hear the language people use to describe how they see themselves in the world um, and then to see just how much that language um, creates a belief system or how the belief system is informing the language and then how it, it, it creates their experience. Like they actually might think that circumstances are creating um, their experience of the world, but it's actually how they're responding and how they're thinking about the experiences. Um, so I see so much creation there. I just, I, and then, and then in the act of being a coach who's asking questions, um, I'm very inquisitive with, with my clients and, and, um, and I, and I also approach, you know, every conversation with like, I know this person knows they have their answers. I don't have any of their answers. They have them all. And we're just going to keep playing around conversationally until something starts to, usually it's something has to be kind of pared away um, or the mind has to be kind of quieted 
And, um, and I see that as really creative because it's, it's like, it's in direct opposition to maybe a lot of the reacting that the person has done in their life to, to, to circumstance. Um, so yeah. And then, and then there's just the synergy that happens, you know, when two people come together in a conversation that is, uh, super candid and where ideally no, you know, neither party is holding anything back. Um, I find that those are the best kinds of creative coaching conversations. There's like, there's some unnameable thing that happens and, um, and I feel it and, and, and ideally the client is feeling it, right? That's the, that's, that's the whole point. Um, and, and there's some kind of like re-seeing or reconceiving or reimagining that goes on for the client. Um, and that is to me, the epitome of creativity is like when they can see something differently and then car- carry it away from the conversation and into their lives, and 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 something is changed and and and, and improved b- by that insight. Um, yeah, I love all that. That all feels very yeah. very true and exciting when you speak about it. I yeah. I think it's true though too because we can often think about creativity in terms of oh like can I sketch something or can I write a book but not in terms of the actual creativity that we have and like how are we creating our lives and what yes. choice do we have or like you said are we just reacting or like kind of playing out patterns that we were told of what's possible or do we actually feel like we're in the driver's seat and once we get in the driver's seat it's really exciting and, and scary maybe too if you haven't been there before but I. I do think that that's that's the work of coaching is letting us uh, like the power of narrative you're saying letting us write our own narrative totally yeah and really seeing like that how how much you are a creator of your life you know um, someone who can construct your own life your own story um, yeah it's, it's so empowering and I think I think a lot of folks get away from that because that's kind of we're kind of set up to see circumstances as dictating how we feel um, and, and, and so it becomes so much more empowering when you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm actually, I can actually create this. I can actually, um, you know, whether that is artistic creativity, uh, and oftentimes it is with my clients. I happen to kind of gel with a lot of really people who are really obviously creative. Like they're actually, you know, their work might be creative work. Um, but I, I really see the creativity in everybody. I mean, there's, there's nobody I've spoken to who I, who, who hasn't been creative in my, in my estimation. How do you define the difference between creativity and control? Because when I, I'm listening to it, I'm yeah. like, if I, I could listen to that on some level and be like, oh, so does that mean I just get to like make my life the way that I want it and feel like I, I'm in control of everything? Because I, I, for uh, myself, experience like I have to go with a lot of control to be creative. So I'd love to hear uh-huh. your thoughts on that. Oh, that's such a good question. Um, that's such a good question. I think that I think that ultimate creativity is like being in a flow state, you know? So it's kind of like um, the chattery part of our brain is calmed. I don't think it's turned off. I think it's just that like it's either occupied, you know, like you're in the shower and like you're shampooing your hair and like somehow that occupies that part of the brain that needs like a task and that needs to be managing um, or you're driving in your car and like, the part of you that's navigating or making sure that you're changing lanes and not hitting into people or whatever, like it's occupied. And so, um, all the noise, uh, I have a, a, a 
a former client who calls it head trash, <laughs> and I love that. Um, but all the like, yeah, all the head trash, all the stuff that that can really make the living experience unpleasant um, or kind of fraught, it gets quieted. Um, and when it's quieted, it's it, maybe those thoughts still pass through our mind, but we're not like clinging to them and needing to turn them over and over and marvel over them and feel miserable about this thought that I had. And you know, we like let it go. So we're kind of actually surrendering to the fact that we're all sentient beings experiencing thought all the time, you know? And, and so it, I guess when we think, or when, when you said about, you know, being creative, that, that, that it, can, it can sound like, okay, I can then kind of control my life. I actually see it as being like a measure of, of like being resilient with the fact that there isn't, there are things we can't control. There are circumstances we can't control, but we can control our response to them. Um, and we can control like what we decide to make of the experience, you know? So like, what do I want to, like something horrible could happen and you could say, okay, given this thing that happened to me, what do I want to create? And that's something that I, I totally give a big hat tip to Steve Chandler. He's, he's a, a coach who I've learned so much from and he, um, that reframe, I think, is is where there's that distinction between what we can control and what we can't, and but still that we have this creative capacity regardless of of circumstance, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. My, my one of my teachers, Diane Hamilton, she she always asks the question like, "What's right about this situation?" And that's oh, I love that the moment to ask is when you're like, "It's all falling apart. This is horrible." And then you're like, yeah. like that question, it, it does open up the creativity. Like, it's, oh, yeah. I have a really hard time with failure, and I've like cr- like organized my whole entire life around not failing, and now I'm failing. Like, isn't yeah. that kind of liberating? Isn't that like helpful? but it's only when I can ask that question that I can start to see that. Yeah, yeah, and like, and then to say, okay, so like, given this, given this thing that I don't, I, I don't seem able to control, you know, and, and objectively I probably can't, there's stuff that happens that we just can't control, what, what do I wanna create? What do I wanna make from it? What, what good could come of this? And I, and I don't, that gets a little bit Pollyanna, the, like, the trying to make it, or it can be for a lot of people. I think there's a lot of resistance to like, how can, like, where's the blessing in this or whatever. And I, but I really think that if you can keep the creativity cap on and think, okay, but like, I do have some measure of control about how I'm going to respond. And so how will I leverage this or how will I respond to this and, and give myself that, that creative control to, to kind of go forth, you know? Yes. Yes. It is. Uh, well, let's bring this into burnout because yeah. from reading this article, I, I, I feel like when I listen to this author spell out, like, this is a hard world that millennials are living in. And I think they can get kind of shamed from the older generations of like, you all have so much. And but really, for it's sure. like it's a tough economy. There's like even the housing market is really hard for people to get into. Environmentally, things are not looking great. And it, it's it's just like we're being asked so much. And I, I kind yeah. of consider myself a millennial. I'm like just on the, the older end of things. Same here. So like, I'd love to hear your thoughts just on burnout in general, because the author in this article really does define it as just a little daily task. And I'm curious if that, if that jives with your definition of it. And, mm. and then how, how, to, how to start to use creativity as a way to work with some of that, because that's something I've really responded to in your work. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's so interesting because I had read the article um, before before we talked about hopping on the podcast together. I had read it because somebody had sent it to me and thought, oh man, Helen, you're going to get something out of this or like you're going to have something to say or... So I read it and um, and then I, I and I read it once and it was so uh, I, it was a perspective that I, I I mean I think that the article went viral for great reasons I think um, and then I reread it in light of knowing that we were going to be speaking today and I had even a kind of a different take on it so um, the burnout I found myself the second reading of the article wanting to kind of replace it with um, replace the word with mindset like because that's sort of where I'm at these days is, is seeing a lot of like how mindset is just um, or, or contaminated thinking or that's something that Jamie Smart has written about in his book um, on clarity. And it's like the, just the, the idea that um, that, you know, things are going to be hard if we if we think that they're hard or if we go into the activity. I think that this this woman who wrote the article described sort of like by the end of the article, she was like, I, I finally, I, I actually feel this sense of completion and accomplishment, at, and I haven't had that in a while. Like, having finished writing this article, I actually feel a certain, sounded like a certain measure of lightness. Um, and I just thought, oh man, like she's, there's a whole different mindset that was going on for her about writing this article than there is about uh, the, the little ticky-tacky tasks that we all have to do kind of day to day just to be functioning adults in the world. Um, and, and so I see the big difference as being, as being a thought, you know, like the difference of her thoughts about one thing versus her thoughts about another. Um, but, but yeah, but to get back onto like the, the, the idea of, of, of like, yeah, there are, there's the reality of the things we have to do that are, that are not particularly interesting or engaging in life. Um, but that have to happen, you know, nonetheless. And I think that, um, well, actually maybe, can, can you, can you like, can you kind of tell me, um, I feel like I wandered from your question. Can you, can you hop back in and give me some, uh, <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> Pull me back on. <laughs> yeah. Of just how do, how do we do this adulting thing <laughs> and how do we do it in a society that doesn't make it very easy? And I'm, yeah. I, I feel this particularly around having a family right now, too, that I'm like, I'm not just adulting for myself, but I'm, a, I'm doing it for my child and sometimes for my partner, too, because his work is very consuming. And sometimes he doesn't have time to go to the dry cleaner and pick up prescriptions. And I, I find a lot of those little tasks going towards me. And um, yeah, and I, I can share some thoughts about how I, I work with them, too. But I, uh, is that helpful to get back? Yeah. That's totally helpful. Thank you. Yeah, I so I I and, and that that all resonates with me because I do feel like that I've gone through periods of time where where those 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 tasks um, really do that it like it inspires more than procrastination. It is sort of like this. I can't bring myself to to do it, and I think that um, that that first of all, yeah. So, so society it is it is where we are in a place where maybe it isn't the easiest. It is. It's, we're not made to feel a lot of ease around those things, especially if we're kind of we've been trained to optimize ourselves or um, to kind of get a certain measure of satisfaction out of completing certain things. And then there's all these little things that we just really don't get any any satisfaction out of, and yet they're still they're still crucial. Um, I don't know. I I guess I don't really I 
I, I see a lot of, a lot of choice and I see a lot of things that we don't have. I, I see that we have a ton of choice. I guess that's really what it boils down to for me. And, 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 um, there isn't, there, there isn't anything that really that we have to do, um, but there will be consequences for the not doing, you know? So I, I, I think that, um, to kind of like adulting is hard. It is difficult to be an adult in the world, especially the world as it's, as it is set up right now. But I don't know that it's, I don't know that like past generations would, would give us the credit of saying that it's any harder. I think that the challenges were, were different before, but there were always, there were always challenges. Um, so I do kind of wonder if it, if it isn't just that we, um, we operate with, with a, a certain expectation that things will feel differently than they feel or that we will be compelled, um, that something that will, that will feel a certain way at the completion of a task, or even that we'll go into a task with a certain degree of motivation. Like I think that might be a misconception that we're supposed to feel a certain way ahead of doing something. And, um, and it's, it's, I have found it interesting because that, I think that, that comes up with, with creativity a lot for people that there's like a prerequisite, uh, in, in folks' minds about what needs to happen before they can do the thing. And I, and I wonder if there isn't some crossover with, with, with burnout that like, um, I think in the beginning of the article, the, um, the, the author was talking about somebody she interviewed who, who like was just it, like, he said something about anything to do with mailing stuff. Cause he had to mail in his voter registration or something, anything to do with mailing stuff in the post office, just gave him so much anxiety and I just kind of thought oh hold on a second like I don't think that's what's giving you anxiety I think you have I think that there's that there's um you, like you either you either want to vote in the next election or you don't <laughs> you know maybe that's unpopular to say that like it's a that it's a choice but but like it doesn't have to happen you don't have to send in your your registration it's just like there will be a consequence to not doing it. And are you okay with the consequence? Um, I don't know. I don't know if that even really answers, answers your question. It's, it's just I've had so many mixed thoughts about it because, like I said, I read the article and I felt the first time and I felt so much like so much resonance. And then I read it again and then I saw a lot of, I saw a lot of stories that, that, um, that aren't helpful, you know, a lot of sto- like a lot of stories happening in the mind, like thoughts thought stories that aren't helpful that, that might make it all harder to do the adulting thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you on that. And that's, I, I heard it. I read both things in there too. You did. Of, yeah. 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 Like it's hard. It is hard. It's hard to be an adult at all. It's hard to be a human being. Yeah. It's hard <laughs> to be a human being. Yeah. It's hard on our nervous systems that are not really quite evolved for the level of of activity and interference that are around us and to spend so little time in nature so little time actually connected person to person in calm settings sure like all the things that i think past generations just had a little bit more of that built in and i i see us really struggling to find that right now or the things that i find that really ground me it's hard to work those into my daily life And, and then I feel the little tasks and I feel how they add up. And it's just interesting because my experience is my experience, but, but 
when I started to really get into self-care, like I want to live like a more self-care lifestyle, one of the things that I started to do was just intentionally do the little things because I, yeah. I let all of those just add up before. And I realized that they were stressing me out. And mm-hmm. I, I realized that I didn't, I didn't want to feel the stress of them anymore. So I just made it a practice that I would just do them instead of waiting on them. And it oh, got, I love that. and it just changed, it just changed the habit for me. And I, I yeah. do, I can get really big and macro about self-care and how deep it is. And it is all that stuff, but sometimes it just is <laughs> habits and the yeah. way that we respond to, especially things that happen all the time, like going to the dry cleaner in the post office. And it just, it changed, like you said, the, my mindset around it, where I started to actually kind of, there's so few things in life that we get to do where we just hit the button and get the reward. And I started yeah. to be like, oh, when I go to the dry cleaner, I drop the clothes off, I walk out the door, I hit the button, I, I got the reward. And yeah. whereas like building a business, having a relationship, all these things are so <laughs> up and down and back and forth. And I don't get that like checkbox sense of completion. Totally. And I, I got conditioned where I really look forward to that feeling. And so that's why I'm like, I, my, my partner has a hard time with that. He doesn't really listen to my podcast. So I don't think he'll hear this, but he has a hard time with those little <laughs> tasks that I see it stresses him out. And yeah. I'm like, oh, give them to me. I'll do them. Cause I'm like, oh, I, I like the feeling of doing them and it's, it's okay for me. And so I see the power of mindset at work and how we both approach those tasks Yeah. as well. But I, I wonder if we, we talk about adulting and what that means and it's become a popular concept. And I, I think about self-care a lot in, a, in growing up because I think a lot of Time, sometimes our self-care blocks are is a bit of arrested development that we totally didn't get parented in the way that we really wanted to or we didn't get the modeling that we needed of how to just be a fully embodied grown-up and mm. when we start to take a little bit more control over our self-care like healthy control creativity maybe even it does cause us to grow up in a way and we I actually think we get to kind of reparent ourselves in the process too and that can be again macro or it can just be just how we handle little everyday things as well that makes so much sense to me. I also I also think something that you said about um, that you just you just decided instead of putting off those little tasks that you're just going to do them. Like to me, that that sounds like too is like being really present. You know, um, I have found that like full on presence is also a, a way of handling those those tasks. You know, like bringing my full presence to it instead of it being um, the the running to do list. Um, that follows me around the house or that like gets saved for a certain day, but like, you know, it just grows. If I can just bring full presence to the task at hand, if I can make the decision, am I doing this now or not now? And if it's not now, then I'll either put it on the calendar for when it will happen or I let it fall off, you know, but like to kind of keep bringing myself back to like the, the right now, the moment that I do have, um, you know, I do have, some control. I, I can shape this moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the idea of just, if, if you really don't want to do it, don't do it too. Just don't do it. Yeah. And see what happens. Maybe it's not that bad and maybe it is, but like there's very little that I think that we really, I mean, we think we have to, we, there, you know, there's certain things we think we have to do. And it's, it's, I just, I push back on that because I see how the, the logic train gets us there, but I also see how it's not really true. Like, you know, um, I mean, heck, even if we sat in a room and stopped eating, like somebody would show up, <laughs> somebody would show up into this, would show up and either force feed us or, or take us out of the room and bring us somewhere where, where, where we are helped, you know, but like, it's, there's very, there's very few things that we have to actually do that, you know, the, the fallout isn't that great when we don't do them. There's just going to be consequences. Totally. Totally. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you are actually stepping into a new phase of your life where, because when you're saying that, I was like, hmm, I wonder how that works in motherhood because yeah. you are actually um, pregnant right now. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, and you're, you're due in a couple of months? I am, yeah, late May, due at the end of May. Nice, it's so exciting. Yeah. Uh, um, and I, I think about with kids, like, and caring for another being, like, there is a lot of stuff you have to do. <laughs> There's not a lot of wiggle room. But, but then with I've got them, a lot to learn, I think. What's that? I, I said I've got a lot to learn, I think. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think that mindset, but it does, it does resonate with me because it's, there's just a lot of things with kids that people tell you you have to do uh, um, yeah. that you might have to do them. Um, just in terms of, I think of sleep training as one of them. And uh, sleep training, for those of you who don't have kids, is that uh, at first when your kids are newborn, they just sleep whenever they want to, and it's kind of a crazy schedule. And then after about four months or so, they actually can either kind of start sleeping through the night or they don't, and it gets a lot worse. In my case, it got a lot worse. (laughs) And you do something called sleep training where you just help them um, by leaving them to cry it out. And it's very controversial in the parenting world. A lot of people are against it because you have to let your baby cry so much. For, For us, it lasted about a week or two. But then Jonah learned to sleep through the night. And I went on so many mom blogs and so many people were like, oh, yeah, you, like, you don't have to do it. They'll figure it out eventually. And so many people were like, you have to do this. And, and kind of my, this one person wrote this thing that I, I, I like. And she's like, if it's not a problem, it's not a problem. But if it is a problem, fix it with, like, great confidence. <laughs> and, that, and that hit me in just that way. So I don't know if sleep training is the best example, but I think there's a lot of things that we get prescribed to do in parenthood or not so in life that it, 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 what I hear you saying is to like go back to your values and if like if voting is really important to you, if getting a good night's sleep is really important to you, then like then do it with great confidence. But if it's not, yeah. then just let it go too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because that's the thing, right? Is like it can all kind of feel like a ton of weight on you if if it's all getting equal importance and you're and you're saying that it's all equally important, but that might be an autopilot move. It might not be that it is all equally important to you. And you might really be able to look at the list or the 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 adulting stuff and and really suss out like, well, what if this actually is a reflection of my values and and what what do I not want to face consequences for? Like what do I really what do I actually want to make happen here? Um, and what can I let slide? Because I'm human and I can't probably do it all. So, you know, to kind of also be okay with letting some things fall off the list, but but knowing that you've made some conscious choices about what things made it to the tip top of the list. Mm. Are there any ways that you're looking to approach creativity and motherhood and parenting? It feels like this, this giant unknown <laughs> to me right now. Um, it feels like it, I feel very much like I have, you know, I've, I was a nanny for a couple of years. I've, I've loved kids, but it feels like an experience I have really no concept. I have no concept for what it will be like. Um, and so I've, I feel like with that openness or that kind of like blank slate, I can either go into like the terror side of things and feel really afraid of what I don't, what I don't know. And I have found myself going there a little bit and that that comes up for me when I think about like preparation like what books should I be reading and you know I kind of get the good student hat on where I feel like there's there's oh I but I can control this if only I have the information you know (laughs) um so I'm I'm trying to bring myself back to a place of 
this is an on-the-job learning situation, and um, and it's going to be full of mistakes, and it's going to be full of of like of trial and error, and um, and and that's sort of that's where I try to keep bringing myself back to is like that place where I'm gonna do my best to be present to whatever whatever's happening right then and there, and to not get too far ahead and think I need to know too much because. I, from what I hear from, from other other parents, like that, parenthood is a great lesson in 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 that, in being present, and also in knowing that you don't really know anything until you know it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you, I don't know if that's what the experience you found to be the case, but totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know it, and then you know it, and like they change so fast. So like, right, what, what right. worked six months ago is so different than how I approach things right now. Totally. I, yeah, and I was talking to Micah last night, and I've I've read maybe like four parenting books since this journey started and he hasn't read any and he was like eh. he's like I'm doing fine and he is he's like great he's great father he's great with Jonah and I'm like oh I'm like but I like reading the books like it's fun it's fun to just have like a few things to work with for myself um but if I didn't have the books that would also be fine but as I, I do think the number one quality that probably makes a good parent is presence as you're saying it's just like yeah. being able to be present with yourself and your, your own emotions, like, and being able to be present with your child and their emotions, like, that's kind of what I think a lot of people missed in childhoods so that, that didn't go so well. For sure. And For sure. I think you can, yeah, you can really, you can really be creative in that if you can just be present and see what's happening and, like, all right, how do I get everybody's needs met in this next hour? And it's, creativity is helpful for it, but it also... I think it's a lot for me it's a lot of just accepting my own limitations and being okay with that too yeah 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 I, and 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 to be I think also another thing that popped up for me when you were saying that was I also thought oh man it sounds like there's a lot of experimentation that that has to happen too and like the thing about experimenting is that we don't know what the outcome will be but like we're we're trying to get there you know we're trying to like we don't necessarily know the ingredients, but we're like, we're like, well, I'm going to throw this in, I'm going to throw that in, I'm going to do the best I can to solve this problem, and to, to be open to learning from it, and to not be too terribly attached to the outcomes, provided your intention is good, you know, you're being present, you're, you're loving your kid, or, um, you know, but to kind of have that, that attitude of experimentation, I guess it's more of an attitude than it is really an action, it's, um, it, it's a little bit more playful, I think, than 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 needing to to get it right, uh, you know, straight off the bat. Absolutely, um, yeah. Playfulness goes yeah. a long way, but not just yeah. with kids, with everybody in life. I with feel everybody, like. yeah, for well, sure. Well, with that, I'm curious. Uh, I, I know a lot of people out there who listen to this podcast work in an, a job where they're working like nine to five or sometimes longer, and. I, I'm, I'm curious, like, what advice or how, how you helped your clients that work in these jobs that maybe don't allow for a lot of creativity and how to start to build a little bit more creativity into their lives when you yeah. feel like so much of your time is taken up by something else? Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's, it's, that's a great question because I do feel like that's something that I have worked with clients uh, on in the past. And I think that, um, that something I've noticed is, like, is, uh, is it, it can be helpful to find some sort of foothold in, in the job or in the thing that's taking up so much of your time because to try to carve out additional time when you're, you know, when you get home from the job that takes 40 plus hours a week of your time, it, you know, you're kind of spent and maybe it's, it's really hard to bring any measure of creativity 
or presence or whatever into into your life. Um, I do I do think that there's a lot of ways to bring creativity into into jobs, and I and I think it's sometimes we we get narrow in how we think about creativity, and so then we think, well, my job really doesn't allow for any creativity. Um, but I think that there are. I would I, I would challenge that because I do think that there are little places where there can be some innovation, um, or where where you can ask yourself what what here you know where can this something be improved here with with a by adding some fun you know or by adding some um, a, a different perspective or by kind of like yeah being open to innovate I guess. Um, and this this kind of I think works best if you have some measure of investment in what it is that you're doing, you know, nine to five or longer. Uh, I think it can be a lot harder when you, or it can feel a lot harder when you're not really invested in the thing that is paying your bills. You know, it can be really hard to then say, well, why do I really want to make this thing more fun? But but I do think that um, I do think that on an interpersonal level, that's that's been like the foothold that I had found in my employment was um, if I couldn't make the job more fun, then I was going to make my interpersonal interactions um, more fun and I was going to bring creativity to those. And so, because um, there's ownership there and I think that there's, that's empowering to feel like you can show up. You, have, you, you do have creative control about how you show up. And so I found, you know, I mean, granted, I worked, like I said, in uh, an admin capacity in an office um, at a university, but it was a pretty serious academic office. Um, it was a, a physics department. So we're talking like some serious scientists. And, 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 um, and I just decided I was going to be the, the joy bringer, you know. And so I just, I got a banner for every holiday, every obscure holiday. <laughs> And I hung the banner, and I um, like I decorated the this main office that I was sort of the receptionist for, and it took no time, truly. Um, it took a little thought, like a little bit of preparation, but it really just took my willingness to be a bit goofy um, and to kind of lighten the mood. And I still had a job to do, and it was still a job I didn't particularly love. It involved a lot of like making travel plans for people, organizing seminars, photocopying, like, I don't know how you're going to make that fun, you know, but, but by, but by kind of bringing this, this spirit of playfulness to the office, um, I mean, I have no idea what it, how it registered for other people, but I actually had fun and I felt more creatively engaged with my work. It wasn't, it wasn't a total chore to show up when I knew that I was going to probably make someone laugh. Maybe they were laughing at me. I don't. I don't know. But like, I had fun with it. I guess. So, um, so I think that's important: is to be able to sort of recognize where you do have some creative control, and um, and then kind of lean into it. Yeah, that's that's wonderful advice. A great story. It's very inspiring. Yes, because again, yeah. you have some choices within your setup. Maybe you can't leave your job right now. And I think that's what a lot of people can often think is like, I can only be happy and feel joy in my life once I get out of this job situation. Yes. Which maybe that would help. But until you can get to the point where that is a financial reality for you, I, I do think that there's space to play, as you said. And, for sure. And what a chain effect that has. Yeah. And you're still, even when you get the new job, you're still going to be you, right? So you're still going to be bringing the same, the same inner you to that next job. And if, so if you can have creative fun 
with that inner you at the current job, then gosh, you can take that anywhere. It doesn't matter what the job is or what circumstance you're in. You've got like, it's an, you know, you've got the inside job covered basically. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the harder part, I think actually to like get to that, that, because again, you said you could leave your first job and get to your next job and be like, Oh, I'm not happy here either. Still me. (laughs) Yeah. I had one client once and she, we started working together and she hated her job and felt really miserable there. And after working together, she was like, no, I just hated myself. She's like, I actually like my job. And it was a really profound shift that she made. So if we can just, yeah, take a little time to realize that we do have some choice in that. And, and I'll also say that in parenting, just because a lot of what I did not hear about parenting and what I really found to be true is that it's, it's really boring sometimes. especially during the winter especially when the weather is bad outside everyone's just kind of trapped inside all day and and that is where I think just the job of being fun is like I found I've had to dig really deeply into myself to just create a really fun experience for everybody and often that involves baked goods like an afternoon (laughs) baking adventure just seems to bring a lot of energy into the house yeah but I've come to see that as being one of my jobs that I've taken on as being a mom so like we're gonna make this fun like it's Saturday it'll be fun somehow yeah Yeah. oh and I love that that's and that is really creative even if you feel like what are my resources for doing this like I don't even know where the fun is but I'm gonna try to make it so that my kid feels the fun even you know I'm pulling it out of thin air but it's that's so creative you know I mean I really think that is so creative to 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 have to cook up something um and, and oftentimes, like, I think that this is what I've, I've, I'm anticipating about parenthood is that, you know, childhood can be so magical if we're, if we're fortunate enough to have a childhood that has some, some, um, some magic in it. I, I think just the perspective of childhood is so magical that, um, that then when we become adults, it's sort of like, oh man, now it's my job to like create the magic. I did like, when did that happen? You know, when, when did I become the person who maybe has like, the, the, the Mary Poppins bag full of, of tricks or, or whatever. Um, and I think like what you just described about like the baking adventure, it just sounds like, yeah, who knows. Right. But like, it's going to, to a kid that, that can be just super magical. They don't, they don't know how to materialize a baking adventure, you know? Um, it's, yeah, I think it's, um, it gets you thinking in different ways. It sounds like. Totally. And I, and, and what I think, I, I hear from both of us in this is that it's it's our responsibility to do yeah. that. And that is if you're a mom, if you're a coworker, if you're a partner, if you're just, you know, a friend, if you're in relationship, I think that we could look at the people around us as having to do that for us. Or yeah. we could just decide that we're gonna do that and that's gonna be our lifestyle. And the great part about the second option is that we're gonna actually enjoy our lives a whole lot more. Totally. Totally. And it's gonna be something that we can carry with us regardless of what our outside situation is presenting to us because that's the thing that we're not going to have a ton of control over, but, but how we're showing up, you know, and, and yeah, the creative control there is, can be really awesome. Mm, I love it. Thank you. Yeah. For, yeah that's really good. Well, well, I always like to end these interviews with uh, a, a chance to talk specifically about self-care because this is a self-care podcast. So uh, what to you, Helen, um, is self-care? It's, that's such a, it's such a good question. Um, yeah, it's such a good question. I think my answer has probably changed so much over the years, um, as I've, as I've gotten kind of clearer on like what it is to, to be a human experiencing life. Um, and, and what has been important to me and what has stopped being important to me. Um, I think for me, self-care 
is um, ultimately it's like it's like getting to a place where I'm okay, where where I recognize at my core that I'm I'm well, and um, and that whenever I don't feel well, that I um, I'm not that I'm not as far away from that as I from that wellness as I think I am. I'm probably just a couple thoughts away. Um, so the self care for me is, I think, <clears throat> a, a gentleness, a, a gentle way of like, maybe not guiding myself back, but but being okay with the fact that the snow and the snow globe is all shaken up, and that like there's probably not a ton that I can do to make the snow settle, except just to stop shaking it <laughs> and to maybe set the snow globe down. And, um, and so, yeah. So for me, I think it's, it's the self care is about, um, is maybe being okay with not applying the, the doing to get out of a place where I don't want to be inside myself. Um, if that makes sense. That's, it, it does. Yeah. yeah. That's been such yeah. a profound lesson for me, especially this week. It's like, just don't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like let it settle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the daily tasks and things. Yes. Do those like what you have to do. But when I'm, when I'm stressed about something and yeah. I think like, I have a tendency just to get into that knot and make it so much tighter because I just pull on it so hard. Yes. Yes. That's exactly it. And it's, and for what, right? Like we think, we think we're doing something we're, we're fixing and it's just, it just doesn't ever seem to feel better that way. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's a good one. It's our culture does not encourage that one at all. Oh, that's for sure. That is for sure. There are fixes for everything and it all involves having our hands in it and doing it. And like, yeah. And it, it, for me, it has definitely become self-care has, is, is a, is like a big giant lesson of, of like, of just not necessarily doing and just letting it settle on its own because it will, the, 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 the unpleasant thought will pass on its own. The new thinking will come through on its own. You know, there's, it, it kind of helps if I can distract myself a little bit. And sometimes maybe that means, um, you know, changing scenery for a minute, getting up and doing something else. But, but there's a lot of, a lot, the, the flow is just around the corner, you know, yeah. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. We can just get out of our own way. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, Helen, how, how do folks stay in touch with you and learn more about your work? Yeah. Um, well, they, they can, come and visit me at my website. It's HelenMcLaughlin.com. Um, and I'm on Instagram. I, I took a little hiatus there. Um, much like, like you described with the podcast, not, not intentional. It just sort of happened. And, and I'm, so I'm back there here and there, but, uh, I'm, uh, wondering Helen on Instagram and, um, yeah. And that's, that's, those are the, the two best ways. I think I love, I love to meet new people. So, um, so through, through email or through social media, it's just great to, to hear what resonates with folks. Awesome. Well, thank you. And I've, I've been one more time talking to Helen McLaughlin and she's a certified life coach and she is working with anyone who is wanting to go after the thing they've always wanted to go after. So get in touch with her. And um, Helen, just been great to connect and thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your insights with us. It's, I, I, I know I heard some things I needed to hear and uh, I'm sure some other people out there did too. Well, likewise, Gracie. Yeah, it's been great talking to you. It's, it was a, a lot of fun to have the conversation. It's very creative, right? 
Yeah, totally. Totally collaborative. I love it. <laughs> awesome. Wonderful. And for those of you who are out there, uh, I, I, I really invite you to like sit with what resonated in this conversation. And maybe if, if one point that I want to put a pin in is, is that not that you have the responsibility as much as that you have the opportunity to be the, the playful, fun, creative, passionate force that you're looking for in the universe. And sometimes we think we have to find that in another person. And I find the best way to find it in other people is to connect to it in myself and then like attracts like. So sure. go out into the world, share, share your creativity and fun and love and self-care and report back with what has happened. All right, everyone, thanks so much. Take care of yourself, and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Gracie with Beautiful Life Self-Care. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you learned something new. If you want to connect more, then visit me at selfcarewithgracie.com. There you can sign up for my weekly newsletter, where on Wednesday afternoons I'll send you more self-care practices, more inspiration and more opportunity to connect to a community of people who really care about really good self-care. Also write me if you have any other questions or if you have ideas for future shows. My email address is selfcarewithgracie at gmail.com. Thanks a lot and remember keep putting yourself first and everything else will fall into place. Mm -hmm.